And as Mike said at the start of the service, we are continuing our series on um, really the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and particularly looking at spiritual gifts. And this morning, I want to talk about another spiritual gift that we haven't got to yet. It is the gift of speaking in tongues. And just, uh, I suppose, answer the question, what is speaking in tongues? In a nutshell, speaking in tongues is a, a language that God gives us supernaturally, that is for prayer or for worship. And so it's speaking in a language that we haven't learned, that we haven't done a GCSE in, um, and a language that actually we most of the time do not understand even as we, even as we speak it. Um, and its end, its goal is to uh, lead us into, into prayer, into worship. So it's a language given supernaturally by the Spirit. I feel like I need to acknowledge at this point that that sounds strange and bizarre. And if you are here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you may well be thinking, I thought they were mad and this confirms it. Um, and just, just so you know, um, for those of us, certainly for me anyway, um, who, I've been following Jesus for a long time. When I started to hear all about this, it sounded completely weird. And, uh, and, and it is strange. Um, but Christianity ultimately is not about languages. It's about a God of love who has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus. That's what it's about. But what we believe is this God gives us spiritual gifts, tools that help us relate to him and reveal him to one another and to the world around us. And the gift of tongues is one of those. And so in order to just consider it together, there's three things that we're going to look at this morning. And then we're going to pray uh, for anyone who'd like to receive the gift of tongues to, to receive it. The, the three things we want to uh, look at are, where is this in the Bible? Secondly, uh, how does the gift of tongues help us? What's its purpose? And then thirdly, how can I receive the gift of tongues? So the first of those, where is this in the Bible? In the book of Acts, uh, the story of the early church, our family history, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. And this is what we read in verse 4 of Acts 2. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so this happens on, on the, almost the birthday of the church. And then there are other instances in the book of Acts where the Spirit is given, and again, people begin to speak in tongues. So another one of those would be Acts chapter 10, where Peter's giving a talk to a, a whole bunch of believers in a house, and it says, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had been with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then there's another place where Paul is with a group of believers in a place called Ephesus. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 6, it says, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And so just, just from those examples, what that shows us is that uh, when the Holy Spirit is given, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, it's a natural thing, it seems, or a supernatural thing would be another way of putting it, for people to begin to speak in other languages. People begin to speak in tongues. It does not follow that if I don't speak in tongues, then I haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that because Paul says elsewhere, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, um, he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so if we're looking for words that tell us of the Spirit's presence, the word is not the gift of tongues. The words are Jesus is Lord. 
Put, put another way, the ultimate sign of the Spirit's activity in our lives is our relationship with Jesus. So it doesn't follow that if I don't speak in tongues, I haven't been filled with the Spirit. However, um, for, for the purposes of us here this morning, what I'm, the point I am trying to make is that when the Spirit comes, people do naturally begin to speak in tongues. And, um, you know, it's a little like, I suppose, if some music were to come on, people naturally at that point begin to maybe sing along. Some people might begin to dance. You, you don't have to sing and you don't have to dance, but it wouldn't be out of character for you to do that should some music come on. So we see this in, in, in the story of the early church. And then um, there are other places in the Bible we can go to to learn about the gift of tongues. And one of those uh, are letters that Paul wrote to a church in a place called Corinth. And this church was operating in spiritual gifts, one of which was the gift of tongues. And in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14, Paul writes to them about these spiritual gifts. And uh, he's talking particularly about tongues. And I, I remember reading this for the first time and thinking, this sounds a bit negative about the gift of tongues. Um, and, uh, you know, for a number of reasons. One is, Paul says when you read it, he says, the gift of tongues is not the most important of the gifts. And the way he puts it is he says, anyone, this is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. And then a little later, he, he kind of tells them off for the way that they're using tongues. So uh, he says what they were doing as a church um, was they, they had people getting up to give talks like this one, but the people would give the talk in the gift of tongues, which, which nobody in the room understood, including the person who was giving the talk. Can you imagine if you brought a friend to church and uh, somebody got up and, it, and they gave a talk in a language that nobody understood? That's what was happening. And so Paul says to them, don't do that. And the way he says it is this, 1 Corinthians 14. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in church, by which he means when he's preaching, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Um, he's saying, if you're going to give a talk, it's better to say five words people understand than 10,000 that they don't. Um, and so I... On the surface, it seems like he's being negative, but when you dig into it, you start to realize, hang on a second, um, that that's not what he's doing. Uh, I think of it a bit like this now. Imagine I went into the gents after this service finished and I saw someone trying to sanitize their hands with hair wax. What I would do if that happened is I'd say, stop, don't do that. That doesn't make me anti-hair wax. In fact, I thank God that I use hair wax more than any of you. Um, what, what it means is, I just think that's just not what it's for. And so what Paul's saying here is, when he's talking about the gift of tongues, he's just saying, you're just not using it in the right way. And the solution to, to misuse is not disuse, it's not stopping it, it's not being anti it, it's proper use, it's right use. And so he's saying you want to use it in a way that it's meant to be used. And, and as I've reread this stuff, it's become clear that actually for Paul, this is a precious gift. This is something that he treasured and that there are clues to that. So, so just from what I've, I've already read, here's one that I, the first time around I missed it. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. 
Now, he does go on to say, I'd rather have you prophesy, but let's, accepting the fact that we want to prophesy as well, let's come back to the first bit. He says, I want everyone in the church to speak in tongues. And then he says, a little later in verse uh, 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He is a little competitive, Paul. But he's like, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And I find that crazy, just to stop and think about that the Apostle Paul, why is it that the Apostle Paul, um, he used this gift, the gift of tongues, more than anybody? Why would he do that? What have I missed about it that he sees? And he gives us the answer when he says, um, chapter 14, verse 4 again, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves builds themselves up, in other words. He understood that this gift, it builds us up. Mike and I, speaking of people who are competitive, you may have noticed, are a little competitive. And this spills over into many different parts of our, of our lives. And uh, one of the things that we, we do together is we go to the gym. And we have done for many years. And at different seasons in our gym life, we compete at different things. And I remember there was a time um, a few years ago where we were primarily competing on the bench press. And it was about who could bench more. And, uh, and we were basically, a, we were lifting about the same weight. Um, I would like to point out that in proportion to our body mass, I was lifting significantly more than he is uh, or was. I didn't need to include that as a detail, but I felt like I, I needed to as well. I don't know how, why. But anyway, I was, I was you know, we, but in terms of the actual amount we lifted, we were about the same. And this had been the case for a while. And then what began to happen is he just began to edge ahead of me. And um, just like over a period of weeks, he just sort of got further and further away from what I was able to lift. And this went on for like a few months now. And I remember just being so frustrated by it, not least because every time he lifted the weight, he would just get off in the gym and just go like this in my face. And I was, I was so annoyed. Um, and I just could not work out what was, what, why this had suddenly happened. And I remember just one day just being so frustrated with him that he confessed. And he told me that what had happened is he'd gone on the internet and he'd bought himself a whole load of protein supplements. And then... He'd, he'd been hiding them in his kitchen every time I came around to his house, so I wouldn't know he was taking them. He'd be taking them for months. And he began to see the effects of that, as if he needs help bulking up. But anyway. Um, and and what, what he was doing, he was doing all the basic things, but then this, what the protein did, is it just, it helped him to grow. So of course I went home the very same day and ordered a whole load of protein myself, um, not to be outdone. But it's like, it was like he saw, you know what, if I can get something that's going to help me grow, why wouldn't I do that? Why would I opt out of that? Um, I think in a way when Paul says speaking in tongues, it edifies us, it grows us, it builds us up. He's not saying instead of the basics of obedience to Jesus, he's not saying instead of the basics of serving and loving, but it's like as well as that, if this helps us to mature, it helps us to grow, why wouldn't we want to do it? It it helps us grow. He saw that, which is why he did it so much. So that's where the gift of tongues is in the scripture. Second question, let's unpack the ways that the gift of tongues helps us. So, okay, it builds us up, but how and in what ways? Um, There's a few that I have discovered over the years, a few ways that tongues has really helped. The first one is, I think the gift of tongues, it gives our soul a voice. It gives our soul a voice. 
Um, I sometimes imagine us to be a bit like a bottle of pop, fizzy pop, and life just kind of shakes us. And when it does, all this pressure, all this stuff builds up inside of us. But it's like we've got the mind at the top of it. And the mind is obviously fantastic, but it's not always, always very, very helpful. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just don't understand what I'm feeling. When I do understand what I'm feeling, I can't find the words to express what I'm feeling very well. And so it's like we've got all of this stuff churning around inside, and it's like we've got a cap on, and it can't come out. And the gift of tongues is a bit like if someone were to come along and just stick a hole in the side here, suddenly all of this stuff that's swirling around inside just pours out. And, and it's like we're all wandering around with all of this stuff. And the gift of tongues is a way almost of tapping, bypassing the mind and tapping straight into the spirit and giving, as it were, the spirit a way of expressing what is going on inside. It's like, um, it's like it taps right directly into that. And Paul puts it like this, and it's not that it's one or the other, the mind or the spirit, it's that both have their place. So the way Paul puts it is he says, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So we are to love God with our minds. You know, the first commandment, love him with all your mind. Um, Paul has a brain the size of Pluto, and he uses it, you know, in the letters. But as well as that, uh, he sings in the spirit, and he prays in the spirit. Um, and it can help us, like, for, for example, if you've ever wanted to express to God the depth of your love and just haven't found the words for it, it's, it's like it gives you the words, a way of tapping into what's going on in the spirit. I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you've been driving along in the car and a song has come on the radio that is exact, you know, exactly tapping into how you're feeling. You want to sing along, don't you? Whether it's you're feeling happy and a happy song comes on, you just, if you, certainly if I'm by myself in the car anyway, I'll, I'll join in. Or if you're feeling sad and you've just had a breakup and Adele's latest song comes on, then it's like, perfect, this is what I was feeling. You know, it allows you to express it. Words that someone else wrote tap into your soul and they give your soul a voice. This is a little like that, but they're words from the Spirit that allow us to express what's going on in the soul. Whether it's our love for God, but also in our desperation and in our pain. For me, one of the places where this gift has been most useful, most of a blessing, has been when things have been really tough. And one instant that comes to my mind as I say that is when our first son, Josiah, was born. We took him home, and it was joyous. Um, you know, total contentment and peace for us as a family for the first 24 hours. And then he took a turn for the worst and we were told we had to take him back into A&E. And so we drove, I remember driving Beth and him into A&E. Um, the, the, they got admitted um, and, and, then I, and then it was all very stressful and horrible. And then I drove home and I remember having woken up that morning with my, my wife and my son just with this deep feeling of contentment, walking back into an empty house feeling desperately worried was, was horrible. And, um, and then they, they were giving him all the medicine and all the food that he needed and things like that. So my expectation was that when I woke up the next morning, he would have improved. Um, but I rang Beth on the way and she said, he's got worse. Um, you know, all his readings have gone down and he was in one of those little incubators in special care unit and Beth wasn't with him because she was exhausted. She said, he's, he's got worse. And, and um, that drive to the hospital killed me. You know, it's like the bottom of my stomach fell out. 
And all I knew to do in a moment like that, I just didn't have the words. So all I knew to do was to pray in tongues. And that's what I did all the way there. And when I was in his room and just me and him in the little incubator, I prayed in tongues. And it was, it was such a gift because it was a way of me pouring out what was in here when sometimes my head gets in the way of that. And I work from my head most of the time, which is why it's such a gift for me. And it says in Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about how we don't know what we're doing when we pray. The way he puts it is, he says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now there he's talking about more than just praying in tongues, but praying in tongues is part of that. Um, and so it doesn't even need to be high praise or, or deep despair. It can just be, i just not feeling very good at prayer today. Um, I don't know what to pray for this person, but I know I want to try and pray for them so I can just name them and then pray in tongues for them. And, this, and the Father listens the Father and the Son listen to the Spirit as we pray in the Spirit. So it gives our soul a voice. A second way that this gift is a really helpful one is it draws us into God's love. Um, and uh, in Jude, verse 20, it says, And praying in the Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love. So the point about this drawing us into God's love is, is not that it's about tongues. It's just that it's about prayer. In other way, it's about relationship. It's a way of being near to him. And um, one of the things that I love about the gift of tongues is Paul says, when I pray in the spirit, my mind is unfruitful. So it's not using the mind. And so you can do it anywhere. When you're doing something else, when you're driving or when you're doing the washing up or when you're walking down the street, that's often where I'll do my praying in tongues when I'm just walking along down the street. I do it quietly. Um, but I'll just pray away in tongues as a way of keeping myself close to God and choosing to keep myself almost in his love. And the third thing, um, a third way that this gift is helpful is it can lead to breakthrough um, in an area that we're praying about. And again, that's not because it's tongues as much as it's because it's prayer. It's a way of praying. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul says... And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And the context there is, is spiritual warfare. It's, it's wanting to see God's kingdom come, wanting to move in power. Um, and so it builds us up, but also because it's a way of praying for the kingdom to come, it also has indirect effects sometimes on situations and on people around us. Uh, and on that note, I'm just going to get Mike up to share a story of something that happened at the festivals. And um, listen carefully to this, because you're hearing it from a weightlifting champion. Um, <clears throat> I, I can't remember exactly how long ago, but it was about 14, 15 years ago. Um, at Soul Survivor Festival, we were, um, we were doing a, an evening where we were talking about receiving the gift of tongues, like we're doing this morning. And uh, uh, at the end, I invited folk to come forward um, if they wanted to begin to pray for the gift of tongues and to begin to speak in tongues. And a whole load of young people came forward. And um, uh, 
as they did that, I said to others, as, as you're praying, if you have the gift of tongues, why don't you begin to pray in your prayer language? And that will encourage others, you know, to, to join in. And I started praying in tongues uh, over the microphone uh, in my prayer language. And as I started praying, and I, I started listening to my, my tongue, and I thought, this sounds a bit different to normal. It sounds a bit more posh. And I, I started thinking, you know, like you, you're doing something and you, you're, you're thinking at the same time. Um, and I was like, what, why am I doing this subconsciously? Because I think people are hearing me. I've, I've poshed my prayer language up, you know. And, and I thought, I don't think so. Anyway, uh, at the end of the meeting, uh, a bunch of people came running up to me, including a couple from this church who had been involved. And the story is... Uh, that a Romanian uh, youth group had come to the festival and their church was twinned with a church in Yorkshire and the two youth groups had come together. And uh, the youth leader of the Romanian youth group um, uh, loved what was going on but didn't believe that the gift of tongues was for today and felt that it wasn't for today. And when we started uh, to pray for people to pray in tongues, he started to walk out of the tent um, in, in anger. And uh, as he was walking out, he stopped in his tracks. And this is what he said. This is what they told me. Uh, because uh, what he heard me as I was praying, he said that I was reciting uh, the first part of a 12th century Romanian poem called A Prayer for Protection. And the incredible thing was that um, that poem was tattooed on his father's back. And so he stopped and suddenly it was like, oh my goodness, this is real. And they prayed with him and I think he began to pray in tongues that day. I had no idea. I just thought that I was speaking a bit posh. Uh, but there you go. I probably don't need to add that Mike was insufferable when he discovered he'd been praying in ancient Romanian, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> and... And, uh, <laughs> um, and, and there's all sorts of stories of when people have begun to see breakthroughs in, in all sorts of different ways. That's one example. But I don't know if you've ever come across the story of a lady called Jackie Pullinger. Um, but years ago, she went out to Hong Kong to work with uh, drug, drug addicts and drug dealers, gangsters, in the gangs out there. And she, um, she was there for quite a while before she began to see any real change. And she got pretty desperate. And this is what she writes in her book, Chasing the Dragon. She says, By the clock, I prayed 15 minutes a day in the language of the Spirit and still felt nothing as I asked the Spirit to help me intercede for those he wanted to reach. After about six weeks of this, I began to lead people to Jesus without trying. Gangsters fell to their knees sobbing in the streets. Women were healed. Heroin addicts were miraculously set free. And I knew it was nothing to do with me. And she would say it was everything to do with the fact that she just began to pray and she used the gift of tongues as a way of her praying. So, so to summarize, how does it help us? It gives our soul a voice. It, it keeps us in his love and it's a way of praying for breakthrough to happen. Now, if that sounds good and we want to begin to pray in the gift of tongues, how do we then receive this gift? Those of us who would like to, how do we, how do we move into it? It is fairly, fairly simple. I think the first thing we've got to do is ask. 
We just ask. And, and Jesus says, you know, Matthew chapter 7, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Uh, I think he has to repeat it multiple times just to make clear that, you know, it's about asking. And um, that doesn't mean we take it lightly. We're, we're not ordering something on Deliveroo. We're coming to Almighty God to ask him for a spiritual gift. But, it, but there, is a, there is a seeking involved. There is a straightforward asking. So it's just coming to the Father and saying, I would love this gift. Will you please give it to me? That's the first thing he says. Second thing is it really helps to trust him to trust that he wants to do this, trust in his goodness. And that's why we talked about the goodness of God last week, just to remember he's by nature good, like he wants to bless. And this is something we struggle to believe. And Jesus, in that bit of Matthew, when he's saying, ask and you receive, he, he, he says, you know, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, is going to give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for, for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And um, this is something I've struggled to grasp for years. And one of the images for me that I, I often come to bring into my mind when I think about the goodness of God is... Um, the way that Mike and my kids relate to each other. You've, you've heard me talk it before, so I'm not going to labor the point, but they know that he gives them whatever they want. And the latest thing that Judah, the five-year-old who just had his birthday literally about four weeks ago, has now got his sights on Christmas and uh, is kind of trying to work out what he's going to get for Christmas. And the, th the latest thing he wants is this lag Lego set that's part of the Super Mario Lego world that now exists. And so he's come to Beth and I uh, multiple times and asked, can I have this for Christmas? And what he's looking for is a guarantee. What he's looking for is a promise. But Beth and I have been parents for a little while now. And so we know that's not what we do. So we, we, we hedge our bets and we say, well, we'll see, Judah. Christmas is a long time away. Oh, that's very expensive, Judah. Oh, you've already got quite a lot of Lego, haven't you, Judah? Why don't you stop talking about it now, Judah? So those are the kind of responses he gets when he comes to us. And he's also cottoned on to this. And just literally two, three days ago, Mike came around to our house for the first time in about a week. I turned my back for about 30 seconds. And Judah's over there, right next to Mike, explaining to him about the Lego Bowser set. He literally got an iPad and was showing Mike a picture of it. And he was saying, so this is what I'd like. Um, this is what it does, Uncle Mike. And, and Judah thinks that the codes that Lego boxes have, um, so you can find the instructions online, he thinks the codes are the prices. So he says, so the price is 7500. pounds is what he thinks it costs. And he's still got no qualms about coming up to Uncle Mike and asking him for it. And then I look at Mike expecting to receive some parenting backup, some hedging of the bets. And he's literally like, of course, Judah. Of course, let me write that down. Let me take a photo of it. I can make sure I get exactly what you're wanting. Judah knows that, as they all do, when they come to Uncle Mike for anything at all, they are pushing on an open door. If Mike, though he is evil, <laughs> knows how to give good gifts to my children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? He's given us Jesus. I mean, that's what Paul says. He says, he's given you his only son. Will he not also, along with him, graciously give you all things? 
if someone gives you a trillion pounds, you don't start questioning whether they can spring for a packet of crisps. You trust their generosity. He's given us himself. So he will also give us these gifts that we come to him and we say, I'd love a prayer language so that I can express my soul to you and I can pray for breakthrough and I can be in your love. Why would he refuse us that? Trust his goodness. And then the final thing um, that I think receiving in this uh, matters is choose to step out. Choose to take a risk. And I wish it didn't have this step, but it seems to be that's how it works. Um, and one of the things that I've learned over the years with spiritual gifts is um, spiritual gifts do not feel very spiritual. And so often where we go wrong is we're expecting them to feel more spiritual than they do. So if we're praying for healing and praying for healing for somebody, we just stand there like, you know, we don't feel anything, but we just ask God to heal. When we give somebody a word, if you've ever done that, you'll know that it kind of feels like, I think this might be God. I'm not totally sure. Um, it could be me. I'll say it and then I'll find out afterwards. That's how it works to move in the gift of prophecy. Well, with tongues, I always thought, because I saw it when other people did it, it was going to be this super spiritual thing that it was going to be like electricity going through my body and this beautiful language would come out. And I found out that's not how it is. And for some people that might be, but for me it wasn't. And just to finish with my story, and then I'm going to get Mike to share his of receiving the gift. Um, I received the gift of tongues when I was in Australia. I was 18 and I've been traveling around with Mike uh, long enough to hear about this gift and, and to want it. And so in a, in a meeting we were in, there was an invitation to come forward for anyone who wants to receive this gift. And I was like, all right, that's me. So I came forward to receive the gift. And um, Mike said, you know, praise God in English. And then there's a point where you need to, as it were, jump off the diving board and just begin to praise God in another language. I work from my head most of the time, right? So I'm thinking, how am I going to start in a language I don't know? I don't know, but let's go. And, and uh, I stood there and I tried to say something and absolutely nothing happened and nothing came out. And I just felt, if I'm honest, really frustrated. Why is this not happening? Um, uh, but it wasn't. And around me, it felt like everybody else began to pray in tongues apart from me. Um, and Mike actually said towards the end of the meeting, look, if you, if you haven't received the gift, maybe just go and find a tree somewhere and just be by yourself and, and ask God again and, and, and um, have a go. Go for it. If you were scared to start, just go for it. So I did. I went and sat under a tree by myself and I said, Lord, I really want this gift and I'm just going to start saying stuff and I pray that you would give me the gift of tongues. And I, I opened my mouth and I just made a weird noise. And it sounded to me a little bit like I was choking. I remember Mike saying, when he was explaining the gift, uh, you know, when he received it, he, you know, if it's gobbledygook, let it be gobbledygook for Jesus. And so I thought, oh, that's a good principle. I'm going to take that principle. So I said, Lord, if this is choking, may it be for your glory. And I carried on making that little noise. And, um, and then, and I wish it was more impressive. I wish I had a, more, a better story, but that's how it started. Just this weird noise came out, and then I carried on doing it, and it became like a word. And then a little like when a child learns their ABC, over the years, it's developed. But that's, that's where it began, with that. And the reason I know it was the Holy Spirit, though it felt very normal, is because I've been doing that for a long time now. And what I've found is, it's given my soul a voice. And it's kept me in his love. And I believe as I've prayed in this language, he's answered my prayers. So Mike's going to share his story. 
and then we're going to pray. And uh, mine is a little bit similar to Andy's, actually. Um, I became a Christian uh, two months before my 16th birthday. I heard about being filled with the Spirit, and I asked this older couple um, who led a home group that I was in to pray for me, and uh, I was filled with the Spirit. But I didn't know at the time really about the gift of tongues. And it was um, a little while later um, that uh, I read a book by a guy called... um, uh, oh my goodness, Boone, um, what's his name? Pat Boone, well done, but by a guy called Pat Boone, um, who was a, a, a kind of a Christian singer and actor from the 1950s, and he talked about um, how uh, he prayed for the gift of tongues, he was filled with the Spirit, and one night he woke up from his bed And he woke up in the middle of the night praying in a prayer language and it was so natural and it was so wonderful and he just felt God's presence and he was floating on air. And I just loved the story and so um, I thought, right, I'm going to do that. And Pat Boone said that what he did is first of all, uh, to prepare himself, he confessed his sins. Uh, Then uh, he praised God in English um, and, uh, and, uh, and then um, he, he did that. And then in the night, he started to, to, to pray in tongues. So I thought, I will do that. So I went to my bedroom. I closed the curtains because I've always believed it's more holy in the dark. And I confessed my sins. I praised God in English. And then I went, and nothing came out. And I was so disappointed. And then I remembered that Pat Boone said that often you, you begin to pray in tongues more easily if you're very relaxed. So for him, it was when he was asleep. Uh, so I went to the bathroom. I put the bath water on. I made it extra hot. I got in the bath. I felt relaxed. I confessed my sins. Uh, I, I praised God in English. And then, and still nothing. And then I thought, I know what's missing. I know what's wrong. So I got the radox out and I put the radox in for extra relaxation and I confessed my sins again. This time I confessed sins that I might commit in the future. Um, I confessed sins that I'd read about um, in the Daily Mirror and I didn't understand. Uh, And then uh, I praised God in English and still nothing. And by this stage, I, I I was desperate. So I went back to this older couple And I said, could you pray for me that I would speak in tongues? And I hadn't wanted to do that because I kind of, for some bizarre reason, you know when you first become a Christian, you think stupid things and then you keep on thinking some stupid things even after you become a Christian. And uh, one of my stupid things was, was if I speak in tongues, then I'll know that God has accepted me. But if I don't speak in tongues, then maybe he hasn't, which was just daft. And... um, But I was so desperate that I took a chance and uh, I went to them and I said, could you pray for me? And they said, of course we will. Sit down, they said. And they said, here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're all going to confess our sins. And I thought, oh, been there, done it, bought the t-shirt. And then they said, "Uh, we're all going to praise God in English. And I thought I could teach you a thing or two about praising God in English. And then they said, and then the two of us are going to begin to pray and worship in our prayer language. And after a while, one of us will touch your lips and then you just begin. Well, when they said that, it terrified me because I thought, what am I going to do when they touch my lips? 
And anyway, we confessed our sins. <clears throat> we praised God in English. And then they began to pray in their prayer language. And I listened for all I was worth. And it was, they were beautiful languages. It was, and as I listened, I thought, I couldn't do that. I'll never do that. And then I was dreading it. And then the moment came when one of them touched my lips. And I knew I had a choice at that point. I could either go for it or not. And I just thought, if I don't, if I don't, um, they'll know that God hasn't accepted me and da, da, da. And it was like, I've got to do something. So just under my breath, as they, as they prayed in their beautiful languages, I just opened my mouth and I said, Shalabala, bilabala. And I was waiting. I screwed up my eyes. I was waiting for one of them to point to me and say, false tongue speaker, stone him. And, but they didn't. Instead, I heard them saying, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Give him more. And I thought, what? I thought they like this. So they carried on in their beautiful languages. And then I went, shalabala, bilabala, bulabala. And, and they were like, oh, thank you, Lord, give him more. And all my life, as you know, you're my church. I've been nothing if not a showman. And, and, and so to please them, as they went on, I, this time I went, shalabala, bilabala, bulabala, bilabala, bala. And, and they were ecstatic. And then for the next 20 minutes, they went in their beautiful languages and I shalabala, bilabala, bulabala, balabalad all over the place. And, um, and, and, and I, we, I, I did that. And at the end, we stopped. And I looked at them and I said, is that it? And the husband said to me, Mark, he said, yes, it is. And I want you to do that every day for the rest of your life. And I remember thinking, I'm not doing that every day for the rest of my life. And then as I was walking home, I thought, what was that? I think everyone else received the gift of tongues. And as Andy mentioned, I've just received the gift of gobbledygook. You know, and then it was literally, well, you know what? If I end up with the gift of gobbledygook, may it be for you, Lord. May I pray in gobbledygook. I don't care. I just want you. And as I was walking, I started praying. Shalabala, bila, bala, bula, bala, bula, shalabala, bila. And I even threw in the odd, she come on a Honda, you know? And, 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 and do you know, for the first part, I was very self-conscious and I was thinking, what a twit. But then after a while, I stopped thinking about what was coming out of my mouth. And I just, my mind started focusing on Jesus. And by the time I got home, I felt like I was walking on air. It was like, oh my goodness, Lord, you're so close to me. You're so present. I, I, could, I could almost touch your presence. It's so thick. And ever since, uh, the, the gift of tongues has been a wonderful, wonderful resource for me. And, uh, and uh, it, it's just, I can't tell you how helpful. It's not the, the greatest gift, but it's one that builds you up. And the number of times I've noticed, after I've prayed or sung in tongues for a while, I, I hear God speak more clearly. It's almost like the spiritual atmosphere gets cleansed and it's like, oh my word, you're really close. And it's not that he wasn't close, it's just that, it's just that I've put my heart in a place of receiving. As Andy said, it's not magic, it's just a way of praying. 
The same thing can happen if we pray in English or if we pray in silence or if we pray in sighs and groans too deep for words. But it is one way. And we want to equip the whole purpose of this little series is, guys, church, we've got a job to do. There's a world that needs to know about Jesus. And we want to, we want to tell them in, in every way. We want to reveal Jesus. And we want to plant churches and serve other churches. And we want to do that together. And for that to happen, we all need to move in the gifts and the power of the Spirit. And that includes the gift of tongues. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray for anyone in this church. If you haven't opened the gift, and it's not that you haven't got the gift, it's, you, it's, it's there under the tree, but you've got to unwrap it. That's all. That's all. This is the one gift, the one gift that I think is really for everyone because you edify yourself. You don't have to pray in tongues. You don't have to. But why on earth wouldn't you want to? Why on earth wouldn't you want to? So with the band come up now and um, so we can be ready. We've left ourselves a bit of time uh, to do this. What we're going to do is um, I'm gonna, we're going to be still. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit as if he needs our invitation to move among us and to, to, just, to just come and, and be here. And then after a while, we're going to invite those who want to pray in tongues uh, to, to come forward if you can, uh, not to stand too close together because we want to try and be careful for social distancing. And others will come and pray, not right close to you. So no one's going to listen to what you, you do. The rest of us are going to worship in, in, in tongues, pray and, and maybe sing in tongues. And when you're ready, I want to encourage you, just begin. Faith is the ingredient that you add to the gifts of the Spirit to make them active, to make them active. Is it a risk? Of course it is. But what a wonderful risk. And it's a risk when you know you are pushing at an open door.